This is Wilderness and Wildlife, presented by the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. This is a half-hour program featuring commentaries and interviews with wildlife and wilderness advocates relating to the unique natural environment that we enjoy in the wild lands of the West and all across America. I'm your host, Jay Shell. Our guest today is Justin Schwabedison, who is the bear biologist for Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. Prior to leading the park's bear program, he worked on a diversity of wildlife projects in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, including avian monitor, monitoring, mule deer migration, prey selection by wolves, and the human wildlife interface. Justin holds a bachelor's degree in wildlife resources from the University of Idaho, and he's competing, completing a master's degree in wildlife biology at Utah State University. So, Justin, it's great to be talking with you. Thank you very much for doing this. Uh, let's start off talking about what your job or mission is uh, in, in the work you're doing here in, in the Tetons. Thanks, Jay. Great to be talking with you today. I am a bear biologist here in Grand Teton National Park in Wyoming. How long have you been doing that? I have been working with bears here in Grand Teton since 2011. I started as a seasonal employee here in the park Uh and uh, more recently became the uh, permanent bear biologist for the park. Uh And so you've been studying the bears for how long? Started here in Grand Teton in uh, 2011. Uh-huh. Really focused on the human bear interface. Uh-huh. So doing a lot of work managing uh, bear jams that occur along park roadways when bears oh, yeah. are visible. Right. Started doing a lot of that, helping manage and facilitate those bear jams. And then uh, more recently, been working with some of the research and some of the capture efforts here in the park uh, as we collar bears for to collect data about where those bears go in this ecosystem and uh, what their habits are, what they're looking for on the landscape, how they're using these landscapes, etc. Your degree is in wildlife resources, so before you started studying bears, I assume you did uh, some other types of wildlife research. That is correct. I've worked with a diversity of wildlife throughout my career so far. So I did a little bit of avian monitoring work, so looking at bird species, that uh, some of the nesting bird species in the ecosystem. I worked on a project with mule deer migrations in the ecosystem, so looking at mule deer that summer here in Grand Teton and winter in other parts of the ecosystem, trying to learn more about their migrations. And by the ecosystem, you mean the GYE, the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem? That is correct, the Greater Yellowstone Ecosystem. Uh Uh-huh. And and then you did some prey selection by wolves as well? That's correct. So for a summer, I worked as a wolf technician here in Grand Teton, and uh, we were using wolf GPS collar data to determine what prey items the wolves were taking and uh-huh. do some analyses on uh, those carcasses that we were finding on the landscape. Uh-huh. So what does the human-wildlife interface, what, is, what does that mean? Uh, 
just the interactions between bear and people? That is correct. So here in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, there's certainly a large number of local residents. There's also millions of people who come from around the world to experience this incredible place every year. And if invariably, there's a lot of interactions between wildlife, including bears, and those people. Mm-hmm. Our goal is to make sure that those are positive interactions, that as humans, we're providing the space to wildlife and bears to do their thing out there in the landscape. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's finding natural foods, raising young. What we're trying to do is minimize negative human-wildlife interaction. Right. So when it comes to bears, we're trying to ensure the human attractants are properly stored so that bears can't obtain human food and don't become food conditioned. So uh, when you were doing mule deer migration, what did you learn from that uh, research? The biggest takeaway from that research project was just the sheer diversity of migratory routes that mule deer are using to travel from summer grounds in Grand Teton to winter ranges throughout the ecosystem. Mm -hmm. So what we found is that the mule deer population here in Grand Teton is not simply going all the one winter range. They're going to numerous winter ranges in all directions from the park. Ah. Just the sheer diversity of that migration network uh, was previously unknown, and the use of GPS collars really allowed us to better understand just the incredible multitude of routes that mule deer are taking when they migrate out of the park, as well as the incredible characteristics of some of these routes. Mm -hmm. So some of these mule deer are migrating 10, 20 miles to their winter range. Others are migrating upwards of 190 miles to their winter range. Some of these mule deer are crossing elevations of over 10,000 feet. Uh-huh. The sheer diversity is what was most incredible from that project. Oh, yeah. So uh, what does studying grizzly bears entail? Do you get out in the field a lot? What kind of data are you looking for? Certainly. So here is the bear biologist in Grand Teton. My role is multifaceted. Part of my job is to focus on the human-bear interface. So that starts with visitor education. Uh-huh. So we do a number of programs in our visitor centers. We do a lot of interaction out along park roadways and in developed areas of bear jams uh, with the public so that they can better understand these, this incredible species as well as better understand what they can do to protect bears by storing their food, by uh, practicing uh, bear safe etiquette when they're out enjoying the backcountry, things like that. Another part of my job is responding to bears that are in areas that we really don't want them to be. So, for example, we generally don't tolerate bears in our developed areas. So we might be responding to those bears to encourage them using a variety of tools out of the developed areas. Another part of my job is research-focused. So we are in Grand Teton as a member of the Interagency Grizzly Bear Study Team. And collectively, as a group, we are involved with a number of research captures and research projects that better understand this population in the hopes of learning more about what we need to do in order to conserve this population going forward. So really, my job is multifaceted 
involves everything from proactive education, sometimes reactive management actions, uh, and certainly some research as well. So what kind of what kind of data do you want to collect when you're doing your research? Really depends on the research question. So some of our questions revolve around the spatial patterns of bears. So where are bears going? When are they going to certain places? How are they using the landscape? What food sources or what areas are they keying into most? It's a lot of spatial questions. Certainly there's some questions about diseases and uh, the relatedness or the genetics of the population. So it really depends on the research question. I would say that throughout this ecosystem, there's a lot of different people working on different projects to all learn more about this population. And each of those projects is answering some pretty fascinating questions. Uh -huh. When you're out in the field, do you regard your work as dangerous? Bears certainly can be a dangerous species. You can't be naive about that. However, I would not say that my work is any more dangerous than any other job. We take the appropriate mitigations to be safe when we're out there in bear country. And it's no different than any individual who is enjoying this ecosystem and spending time in the back country, practicing that uh, safe recreation practices in, the, in bear country. Things like hiking in groups, carrying bear spray, making noise avoiding areas where you know there might be a dense concentrated food source. We take those same mitigations when we're on the job here. So I wouldn't say that my work is any dangerous in any other job. We mitigate for it appropriately. Yeah, right. So uh, do you know, if, uh, you talked about bear spray. Do you know of instances where bear spray is not a deterrent or was not a deterrent? So bear spray has been shown to be highly effective. So an Alaskan study published in 2008 indicated that 98% of encounters where a human interacted with a bear, the bear charged that individual, and the individual deployed bear spray properly, in 98% of those encounters, there were no human injuries. So bear spray can be highly effective when it's used appropriately. Mm -hmm. Now, you have to remember that bear spray is a last line of defense. So it's not like bug spray where you would spray it on something to proactively keep a bear away. No, that's not how it works. Bear spray is a last line of defense where if a bear is charging you, that is when you deploy bear spray. Right. Right. Interestingly, bear spray, if you were just to spray it on the ground and walk away, bear spray can be an attractant to bears and other wildlife. Oh. That's why it's just to, to be used uh, in the last line of defense. All right. So what are the what are the uh, pop what's the population number of grizzlies in the Grand Teton Park? So here in Grand Teton, we're a relatively small national park when it comes to area of land. Grizzlies can be a really wide ranging species, especially males. They need a lot of ground to be able to meet all of their biological needs, whether that's habitat for denning or available forage throughout the season. So we don't estimate the grizzly bear population solely within Grand Teton National Park since most of our grizzlies spend some portion of the season outside of the park. That being said, in the greater Yellowstone ecosystem, the latest population estimate, which would have been from 2021, it was released by the Interagency Grizzly Bear Study Team, indicated that there is 1,063 grizzly bears 
in the ecosystem. Oh. Is there a lot of movement between Yellowstone and the and the Tetons? Certainly, we certainly see based on some of our collared individuals that bears will use areas of southern Yellowstone and then come down into Grand Teton National Park. We also see a lot of movements of bears from Grand Teton National Park moving onto the forest, moving onto the Teton wilderness, oh. uh, or certainly moving south past the town of Jackson. Uh, to access other habitat uh, in the Wind River Reservate, in the Wind Rivers Range, um, or some of those other areas. Are they endangered when they get outside of the park boundaries? Endangered from hunters? Certainly here in Grand Teton National Park, and same as Yellowstone National Park, because we are national parks, we have some pretty comprehensive and rigorous food storage requirements in the national parks. Uh, we certainly have a number of regulations uh, that help make sure that bears are protected, to make sure that people stay safe, so that ensure visitor safety. When bears leave the national parks, there can be some concerns, especially if bears are crossing private lands or areas where food storage is not as strong. We're starting to see more and more of that here in Grand Teton, where a lot of our juvenile grizzly bears once they're independent from their mother, they're trying to find enough available habitat to establish their own home range. And often, and increasingly so, that means that they are departing Grand Teton and heading south. That can be concerning when they're going through the community of Jackson, Wyoming, or some of these other local communities mm -hmm. where maybe the food storage regulations haven't been in place. And there's more of an opportunity for these bears to acquire access human foods which can put them on a pretty which can be pretty concerning for their longevity as individuals so certainly there's concerns but there's also a lot of great work that's been done and is currently ongoing to help better secure the attractants in some of these local communities so for example uh, Teton County here the town of Jackson have recently updated their ordinances and their land development regulations to require food storage, which helps lessen the opportunity for these bears to acquire human uh, or anthropogenic foods. Does Wyoming permit the shooting of a grizzly bear outside of the park boundary? So for any questions like that, I would have to direct you to the Wyoming Game and Fish Department. <laughs> okay. All righty. So are there behavioral differences among individual bears? Absolutely. So really, it comes down to what food sources are available within the home range of an individual bear. So if you have a grizzly bear that has several highly concentrated food sources that are available within its home range, it might stay in a relatively localized area to take advantage of those food sources. It has everything it needs to meet its biological needs. However, if that if you have another individual who maybe it has less concentrated food sources or it has a greater diversity of food sources that it takes advantage of, that bear may travel and cover a lot more ground. So certainly there are individual differences. Another example might be differences between adult grizzly bears and juvenile grizzly bears. So a juvenile bear, a subadult grizzly bear who's recently independent from its mother, it's going to need to find its own home range. 
So it's going to tend to disperse uh, to areas where there's lower bear densities or enough available habitat so it can find the food that it needs. Certainly you have males who are covering more territory than a female with young. A lot of individual variation. A lot of it comes down to what food sources, what the habitat quality is, etc. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about the cycle of activity. Uh, when do when do grizzly bears mate? Mating season generally occurs from the middle of May to early July. Uh huh. Does that make them more aggressive at that point? I wouldn't say more aggressive. What I would say is. Grizzly bears are a relatively solitary species mm-hmm. besides females with cubs. So it's pretty uncommon to see like two adult grizzly bears together. That only occurs during mating season. So I'd actually say it's a pretty cool opportunity to see, you know, several adult grizzly bears in proximity to one another. Certainly if they are courting each other, there might be some signs of aggression if two males are both trying to court one female, or depending on how receptive the female is, um, but I wouldn't say there's any more aggressiveness to humans. When do they birth, and how many cubs do they uh, deliver? Birthing for grizzly bears generally occurs between late January and early February. That does occur while the females are in the den. Generally, what research has shown from the Greater Yellowstone ecosystem is that Adult female grizzly bears give birth to one to four cubs. The average is about two cubs. Uh-huh. And what's the survival rate of the cubs? So, again, long-term research uh, led by the interagency grizzly bear study team here in Greater Yellowstone indicates that the survival rate of a cub of the year, so that is a cub that is born in January or February of that year, is about 55%. That's going to be the same for a yearling cub or a cub that's gone through one um, hibernation with its mother. And then by the time a grizzly bear reaches uh, adulthood or is independent of its mother, uh, the survival rate goes into uh, around 95%. So it's a relatively hard life being a little grizzly bear cub. The uh, mortality rate is pretty significant. What's the cause of the mortality? Uh, there are a few different causes. Uh, it can come down to inexperience by the mother. So we've documented some cubs that, for example, have drowned in a river crossing from a first-time mother who uh, just doesn't realize the lack of capability of that cub. Um, what we're starting to document more and more of is depredations by male grizzly bears. Mm-hmm. So a female grizzly will not mate with a male if she has offspring with her. So it's been documented numerous times where a male grizzly will kill the cubs in order to be able to mate with that female. Oh, oh. What more do you want to know about grizzly bears that you haven't yet found out? A lot of our questions that we're interested here in Grand Teton are more focused on the human-grizzly bear interface. So better understanding the impacts to grizzly bears as things like bear jams. Do bear jams contribute to stress within those grizzly bears? Mm. We're interested in that. Certainly long-term monitoring, we're always interested in the population size, what the trend is over time. 
grizzly bears are still listed as a threatened species under the Endangered Species Act. So we're very interested in what that population trend is over time. And then certainly as the population continues to expand and we start to see more and more grizzly bears outside of the national parks, we're interested in the survival rates of those bears outside of the parks as well as where they're going, what the rate of that population expansion, that range expansion is, questions like that. Well, Tom Mangelson, who's a photographer in Jackson, uh, he's made uh, Bear 399 uh, famous. And uh, so I'm, I'm wondering about 399 and how many, how many generations of cubs uh, she, has, she has born. That's a great question. So 399 is certainly a renowned grizzly bear here in Grand Teton National Park. Uh, she's become so well-known because she's raised numerous litters of cubs along park roadways in view of millions of park visitors. So a lot of people from around the world have had the incredible opportunity to see her and her offspring um, in the wild. Grizzly 399 is 27 years old as of 2023. Uh, she has raised several litters of cubs over the years. Um, she's birthed 17 cubs of which we are aware of, and her most recent litter from 2020 was a litter of four cubs. Uh, as, I, as I noted earlier, the average litter size for a grizzly in this ecosystem is two cubs. Having four is pretty rare. Um, 399 was able to successfully get all four of those cubs. Um, they all survived, and they were successfully weaned from her last spring in 2022. I know that there's a, there's somebody who, uh, who has, uh, I recall two or three years ago, said that if 399 wanders outside the park and he's, he's going to shoot her. So do you have a mission to protect uh, 399? And what do you do to do so? Well, I can't necessarily speak to harvest. What I can say is that 399 and all grizzly bears are an important species here in the ecosystem. And there are a lot of agencies and partnerships that exist to protect the grizzly bears and ensure their long-term survival. The National Park Service, we interact and we collaborate with the Forest Service, the state fish and game agencies, other federal partners in order to do what we need to to conserve this population. And so all 399 may depart the park, and she certainly does. We know that. There is a lot of other, there's an interagency thought that we're going to protect grizzly bears as best we can mm -hmm. here in this ecosystem. Uh, do you see much uh, loss of uh, grizzlies or, or black bear wandering outside of the park boundaries? There's certainly a number of negative human-bear conflict specifically with bears obtaining food rewards that do occur outside of the parks. 
And that's why we've been collaborating quite a bit with our partners in local communities, with the state, mm-hmm. states, in order to better secure human foods, anthropogenic items outside of the parks so that we avoid bears getting into conflicts. And that's really critical as the grizzly bear population continues to expand. We see more bears outside of the national parks. We really need everyone's help, whether you're a local resident or you're a visitor to this incredible ecosystem. We really need your help in securing food so that we make sure that bears can navigate this landscape without coming into conflict, without getting into food so that they don't become food conditioned. Are there many black bear uh, in the Tetons? Yes, we have a healthy population of black bears here in Grand Teton National Park. Black bears in Grand Teton are frequently seen, especially along some of our popular lakeshore areas, uh, certainly some of our canyons as you're going into the Teton Range. Uh, do, they yeah, come in, do they come into conflict with the grizzlies? Certainly there can be interactions between grizzly bears and black bears, but by and large the two species generally practice avoidance. So here in Grand Teton it's more common to see our grizzly bears in our larger meadows and some of the riparian areas, more common to see the black bears in the forested environments, sometimes at the fringes of our developed areas along our lake shores. So by and large, the two species practice avoidance. Uh, is there is their cycle of activity pretty much the same, mating and birthing and uh, producing cubs? It is the phenology or the timing is pretty similar between black bears and grizzly bears. And the survival rate of the cubs is about the same? Yeah, here in the Great Yellowstone ecosystem, we don't have a lot of recent research on black bears. A lot of the efforts been directed towards grizzly bears. Uh But most of what we know is based on older research that suggests that the numbers, a lot of those vital rates are similar. But certainly there is a opportunity uh, for some newer research to uh, update those vital rates. Do you have any concerns about the prospects for bears in the future? I think bears have a bright future in this ecosystem. Bears are an incredible species. We have visitors come from around the world to have the opportunity to see a bear in the wild here in Grand Teton National Park. So I think their future is bright. Grizzlies are currently listed as a threatened species on the Endangered Species Act. They were first listed in 1975. And if you look at the success of grizzly bear recovery, it's just been incredible. That's due in large part to the efforts of a lot of people who have dedicated their careers to grizzly bear conservation, a lot of people that have spent the time to collect the data necessary to learn more about this population and figure out what we need to do to conserve the population, and then just a lot of effort on the part of the public, their interest in seeing bears, in learning more about bear species. 
their willingness to help secure food attractants and do what we need to stay safe in the backcountry when we're recreating in bear country. So it's been an incredible amount of work that's gone into especially grizzly bear conservation, and I fully expect and I'm optimistic that that will continue long into the future. Well, we're almost out of time. Uh, just wanted to ask, well, do you expect to continue studying bears for uh, in, indefinitely into the future? Absolutely. Bears are an incredible species, and it's an absolute honor and privilege to be able to work in this profession and uh, to be able to work here in Grand Teton. Well, Justin, uh, this has been great. Thank you very much. Uh, I really appreciate your taking the time to talk to us. Our guest today has been Justin Schwabedison, who is the bear biologist at Grand Teton National Park in northwestern Wyoming. This has been Wilderness and Wildlife, a presentation of the Gallatin Wildlife Association in Bozeman, Montana. To hear more of these half-hour interviews, go online to js-wilderness.com and see additional features of our website. Thanks for listening. I'm your host, Jay Shell.